0: Koinonia, Christian Fellowship, communion with God and with fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association
1: of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is Koinonia. This is community. And now, your
0: host, Tom Brown.
1: Welcome to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Bob Brown, no relation to Tom, but filling in for Tom Brown. And today we'll be talking about Christian education from cradle to grave. We've got a a wonderful um, group here in the audience, a group of two uh, from Scottsdale Christian Academy. We have Nate Bradley, uh, who will be sharing some background with us, and Dr. Chip Moody from Phoenix Seminary. Welcome to the show, guys. Glad to have you here.
0: Glad to be here. Thanks, Bob.
1: So to begin, Dr. Moody, could you tell us a little bit about your present position and uh, what you're doing for the seminary and kind of how
0: you got there? Okay. Well, I, am, uh, uh, I wear a few hats at Phoenix Seminary. I'm vice president and dean of students, uh, which means I'm responsible for the formation of students throughout their education. Uh, we are a graduate school, so uh, all of our students are college graduates already and they are all seeking some form of Christian service and ministry and so we're there to help prepare them. Uh, The uh, work that I do is both in the classroom and administratively. Uh, The things I do administratively revolve around counseling students, helping them kind of assess their vocational uh, aspirations, help them understand the call of God in their life, that sort of thing. Uh, And then I teach in the area of of preaching, uh, pastoral care, Uh, pastoral leadership, and uh, the the practice side of the house. And Dr. Moody,
1: do all of your students virtually end up in some sort of pastoral role as a a preacher or head of a church, or do they serve other kinds of parachurch ministry? Yeah,
0: they they serve all over the the ministry map. We have many people that leave become uh, teachers in Christian schools, colleges, go on to become professors in Christian universities and seminaries. Uh, we have a counseling program, so many go on to uh, get their licensure in, uh, as therapists uh, and and serve in that way. Uh, many people come to uh, prepare for the mission field, uh, to prepare to lead parachurch ministries, and then there are those that simply want to be a, an educated and helpful uh, value added to their congregations and their pastors to be able to help them teach and lead their congregations. Any idea what percentage actually end up in the pulpit? We probably have uh, probably a third of our graduates wind up being senior pastors and probably another third are in associate pastor roles or other kind of staff roles within congregations. And then the last third would be kind of all those others that I suggested, uh, the counselors, the uh, the, the, the uh, ancillary staff, parachurch people, that sort of thing.
1: For those who may not be familiar with Phoenix Seminary, uh, when did it start? Where is it located? How did it start?
0: Okay, about 27 years ago. Uh, the several pastors here in the valley were struggling to keep christian leadership here in the valley uh, they would uh, typically send off their best and brightest to go to seminary which meant either california or texas at that point and uh, of course the the young men who were going off would would meet a girl and they'd get married and they'd settle down there or the young women would meet a meet a meet a guy and they would get married and settle down there And they wouldn't come back to Arizona, and so we decided that maybe the best opportunity for us would be to start our own seminary and and, uh, have them come to us instead of us sending people to them. And how
1: many students uh, are in a typical graduating class at Phoenix Seminary now?
0: Our last graduating class had about 36 graduates, and that's that's fairly typical for us. We have about 250 students uh, on campus at any given time uh, taking programs. Uh, so, which is a about an average size of your typical seminary here in America. Um, average age of your students? Uh, 28 to 48. Wow. But we have students from 23 to 70.
1: <laughs> wow. well, we'll be um, back in a, in a minute or two to hear more about Phoenix Seminary as well as uh, learn some things about Scottsdale Christian Academy. So... Um, Just to remind you that you are listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Bob Brown filling in for Tom Brown today. We'll be back in just a few minutes. back to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Bob Brown here filling in for Tom Brown. And today we're talking about Christian education. First segment, we talked a little bit with Dr. Chip Moody about his background at Phoenix Seminary. Now we have Nate Bradley joining us from Scottsdale Christian Academy. Nate, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bob. Um, tell us, what's your position? How long you've been there? What you up to?
2: Yeah, so I, uh, I'm the administrator of... Uh, Academy advancement, admissions, marketing—I get to wear a lot of hats, just like Dr. Moody. And uh, so, essentially, I get to tell people about the school. I get to recruit new families, uh, uh, work with donors as they're investing in the school. And uh, so, it's really a fun, fun little gig. So I enjoy it.
1: Wow, that's outstanding. Am I thinking right that you, your prior job before coming there, had something to do with? seminary
2: it sure did yeah i got to work for dr moody here and uh so i have and before that i was with arizona christian university so i've officially seen christian education from preschool through doctoral work so great literally cradle to grave literally cradle to grave yeah so it's fun
1: outstanding and tell us a little bit about scottsdale christian academy then it was formed
2: yeah so scottsdale christian academy was formed 1968 Uh, formed out of Scottsdale Bible Church. And so we are coming up on our 50th year here in a couple years, and uh, excited for that. But we are a preschool through 12th grade uh, uh, academy, a private Christian school um, where we serve Christian families. We partner with Christian families in the education of their kids and uh, provide that really needed education christian education in today's society preschool means is that three years old three years yeah three years old
1: wow and um when you talk about christian schools i've heard people refer to a covenant school versus a maybe a missional can you give us some definitions
2: yeah yeah that's a great question so there are basically two different types of christian schools uh One would be a covenant school, and that is what uh, Scottsdale Christian Academy is, where we primarily work with uh, Christian families who have Christian testimonies, have, you know, they are raising their family in a biblical, through a biblical worldview. Uh, So we're partnering with them. Uh, There are other Christian schools that uh, serve just as great of a purpose, and they're missional schools, where they have more of an open enrollment, where they still have a biblical worldview bent, but they're enrollment is made up of uh, both christians and non-christians so
1: so you wouldn't necessarily have to have uh be a professing christian to go there
2: correct yeah
1: yeah it would have been like some folks i know who send their kids to sunday school but never darken the door of the church
2: exactly exactly yeah yeah so we encourage all of our families to be attending a local church and uh that's just one of the ways we partner with them we don't want to be teaching something at school that's contrary to what they're getting at home. It is a true partnership between school and family and church.
1: And how would you describe the... um academic approach the uh, is is the idea that everybody's supposed to go to on to college or do you allow for trade schools and all that or I mean, what, what's the educational philosophy
2: yeah yeah that's a great question we are a truly college preparatory uh, environment uh, I think a lot of times Christian education can get that uh, stigma where it's just a you know Sunday school type feel and we're excellent academics and the biblical worldview or you know, exclusive of one another, um, and uh, so at SCA, it really is. You know, we're providing that biblical worldview with an excellent academic preparation for college. Uh, we we really want to put out leaders that are uh, have a, that solid biblical foundation in whatever avenue they they want to go in and where God's calling them to, and they're adequately prepared to step onto any college campus they desire to. Hmm. And
1: when you talk about a worldview, what, what does that mean for a th- three-year-old or
2: a four-year-old or that's, <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's, a, that's a great question. I've got a four-year-old. Ah. And his, uh, we'll, we'll see what his, uh, where his worldview is at, but he's, a worldview is basically just how you, you view what's going on in the world and what lens you're looking at the world through. And we want everybody, whether they're in preschool, they're graduating from SCA to look at the world through the the lens of the Bible and the truths that are in God's word. So the three-year-old there, um, you know, all of their preschool curriculum is going to be built on a biblical worldview and have bi- the Bible integrated into everything that they're doing all the way through. So it's not just a once a day, Bible class, and then we turn it off. it's in every subject area that they're that they're receiving.
1: So how does the worldview uh, the Christian worldview integrate in geometry?
2: yeah, that's a that's a great question. I, I didn't do too well in geometry, so neither did I. That's what I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, that's you know it's, it's those it's those teaching moments that come up in class while there you know may not be a biblical verse for everything that they're learning. It's the perspective the teacher's coming at the class with. It's the those teaching moments that come up in class that the biblical worldview is filtered down into. Because uh, anytime you have, uh, you know, any any type of class with people, the world comes up, and whether it's in geometry class or English class or Bible class, you are going to be talking about things of the world. And that is where the biblical worldview comes in. Dr. Moody, do you have a comment on worldview and geometry?
0: I may, uh, I may wind up turning on my professor voice, and I don't <laughs> want to bore people to death. Understand what it means to be in a classroom, particularly a classroom teaching mathematics. And uh, with the worldview, the assumption, and, and a worldview is, uh, Nate used the term a lens through which we see the world. Uh, that's one way to describe it. Another way is to say what are the assumptions and values with which we interpret the world around us. And while we have, uh, uh, we're obviously we have worldviews in collision in our culture right now. We have, for instance, those who hold to a, totally naturalistic worldview that there is no God. Everything that exists is just a part of a random process biologically and geologically through time. Uh, and then you have people who say, no, there is, there is evidence here through its order of a designer, some, uh, an architect that has created and created according to a purpose. When you, when you start talking about mathematics, mathematics becomes a piece of evidence that says here are some structures and some rules that are correct and the same all the time that points to a designer who has criteria by which he creates the world so it doesn't just have to be in a biology class or a chemistry class or an anthropology class really worldview does filter down to every discipline
1: now that you put it in those terms that may have been a softball question geometry with its absolute rules, a right angle is always a right angle. Absolutely, yeah. Two plus two always equals four in this universe as <laughs> uh, far as we know. <laughs> so how does the concept of absolute truth tie into that?
0: I think we, uh, one of the things I say, I, I, Christians are very quick to say, well, there is absolute truth and, and yes, we believe there is. I think the broader question is how much access do we have to that absolute truth? Uh, I would say that God knows what the absolute truth is. We get to see some of that, both through the, the natural world that he's created, also through what they call natural revelation, as well as through the scriptures, the specific revelation of God. Uh, but to say we have access to all truth and it's always clearly objective, it's very hard for us to say we're objective in our knowledge because we are the subject in the middle of it, so it becomes subjective. But, but to be able to say Jesus rose from the dead, for instance, is one of those things that we can look at the documentary evidence by eyewitnesses who saw this and told the same story, and we can make the assumption that, okay, there's, some, there's truth here. And we, we may not have all the information, because we'd like to know a lot more about this, but we have enough to know that credible people made a credible report of an event that took place, and we are not without... Uh, some, some evidentiary uh, basis to stand on in our Christian commitment.
1: So that, we would say in that sense, truth, the truth is that, that the re, truth and reality are kind of synonyms. Yes. The reality yes. is that happened. That's yep. the truth. Yeah,
0: and we, we may be ignorant of a lot of reality, but uh, the reality stays the same. Underneath it, we have this assumption that, that, that God does not change. Uh, and that if we don't understand something that's happened, uh, it's just because we don't have the information. And Nate, how does
1: how does that subject seem, seem to pop up in the school environment where you are? Do you recall uh, incidents with the students or the administration where this kind of truth telling or truth topics come come to light?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, and I I see it almost every day with families that are looking for. Uh, you know, Christian education and looking for that spe- for that specific reason, because uh, only in a you know, Christian school are the teachers and the administration able to stand on that principle all day, every day, uh, and which is it's the main reason we exist is, you know, we we get to stand on that truth uh, and build our education around that. Uh, and that is, you know, it's the cornerstone uh, of how we build our lesson plans every day. How we build, uh, you know, our chapels, our, our missions, our everything that we do is built on that. Um, so, hmm. do you feel that this
1: concept of truth is under attack? Absolutely, absolutely. Where do you see that particularly in the popular press or in ways that would encounter it, or the students would encounter it?
2: Well, I think, you know, our, our students are getting hit with it everywhere. I mean, you know, just pick up their phone and they're getting hit with the, the culture abroad. And uh, they've got news coming in every day and news topics that are contrary to this absolute truth uh, that we're talking about. And so the opportunity to be able to sit in a classroom with teachers that hold that absolute truth and are able to speak truth into the culture is just invaluable. Yeah,
1: I'd like to come back to that topic in a little bit, Dr. Moody. I'd like to have your um, comments on, this, on the places where you see this concept under attack in the culture. Um, we'll be back in, uh, in just a minute, in a few minutes here. Uh, You are listening to Quinn on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Bob Brown, filling in for Tom Brown today. We'll be back in just a few minutes. back to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Bob Brown here filling in for Tom Brown. And today we're talking about Christian education from cradle to grave right through the uh, three-year-olds at Scottsdale Christian Academy right out up to the postgraduate students with Dr. Chip Moody at Phoenix Seminary. When we left the last segment, we were just talking about worldview. And Dr. Moody, I'm interested if you have any personal stories you could tell us about how some of your students have wrestled
0: with that issue I think uh, not just my student, our, our whole culture is wrestling with this. We're trying to, uh, everyone is trying to find a way to say, here are the things that are true for all time so that we can understand the world around us. Uh, there is a, you know, in a postmodern culture, and of course the definition of postmodernism is the belief that uh, all worldviews are okay. They're all correct, or at least they all contain some degree of truth. And nobody can really say which one is authoritative, which is why anymore when when a Christian speaks up and defends their worldview, they get attacked from all sides. Well, it isn't just Christians. Anybody who stands up and says their view is the correct view, if you stand up and say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, get ready. You're going to get – and it's not that these people are mean. It's just that their worldview – has been handed to them in such a way that making broad, sweeping claims about truth and what the correct view of truth is, is considered suspect. Part of that's good. We we don't want to be gullible. Uh, it's a little bit like growing up in church and thinking, well, I know the truth because it's what I've been taught all my life, but have never wrestled with it themselves personally and answered their own doubts and their own questions about it. They're much stronger if they do wrestle with them than if they just, you know, uh, it, it, Pardon the expression, drink the Kool Aid they've been given all their life. Uh, we want people to be thoughtful people who have wrestled through these issues. So when I get a student who comes to me and, and says that, uh, an applicant, for instance, that, that indicates in their application that one of the things they've wrestled with is, is pornography or an addiction to pornography. Um, and, and, I get, and I get a whiff that they think that, well, you know, that's that pornography stuff, it's just out there. It's everywhere. It doesn't really affect anybody else except me, so I don't see how it can be wrong. Well, we can come to them with the scriptures and talk about what sensuality is, what, what lust is, what objectifying people is, that, that this is contrary to the love of God to engage in a practice that is largely built on human trafficking. Um, to uh, To help them understand what they are doing to themselves neurologically by repeated exposure to graphic pornography, that they're changing their brain chemistry, uh, that there are consequences to this that they don't understand yet. Um, so, so they need to hear that so that they can begin questioning their own assumptions. And we all need to question our assumptions.
1: Wow. Nate, how about in your world? Do, do you encounter students who appear to be questioning or wrestling with some kinds of issues?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think we, you know, we see that, obviously, we have teenagers on our campus, so they, we know they all wrestle with a variety of different issues, and, uh, you know, they're constantly thinking through what their worldview is um, and where, you know, that's the time in life when they're really beginning to question, okay, I was, I was raised... With this worldview, and kind of told that this is my worldview by either my parents, grandparents, church, um, and that's really the the time in life they begin questioning that, and they begin thinking through: is this where where I what I actually believe, or is this just something I've been told? I believe, and uh, we I mean, we deal with that on an everyday basis. Um, students that are uh, in and out of principal's offices or, uh, you know, yeah, we have kids who do go to the principal's office at SCA. (laughs) I know
1: know my son went there. (laughs) I mean, SCA. SCA, definitely not the principal's office. I'm afraid to say he might have been into the see the principal (laughs) once or twice.
2: (laughs) But I think that's the, the beauty of a school like ours. Just like, you know, Dr. Moody was saying is, you know, we get to come at it with a we don't just hand down a punishment to hand down a punishment for that sake. It is a, we're we're coming at it from a biblical worldview and we're, we're helping them understand uh, how to think through that, that whatever they've done in a biblical manner um, and help them understand the repercussions of that, whether, you know, it is pornography or it's, you know, put, put anything in there. It's, uh, you know, we're, we're on the front lines right there. And uh, so. No doubt
1: there's uh, an extreme degree of cultural confusion in our society at yes. this, this point when you consider how really fundamentally divided the nation has become on a lot of these issues. So, uh, Dr. Moody, back to the seminary's programming. Um, if you're interested in deepening your study of the scriptures, uh, what are some of the choices for types of programs that are available at the seminary?
0: Well, we are a graduate institution, which means that our students come to us uh, with bachelor's degrees in hand. They've already finished their college work. Uh, They can then apply to uh, earn a Master of Divinity degree or a Master of Arts in Ministry degree or a Master of Arts in Counseling degree. We do have a diploma program for those that have not completed an undergrad degree, um, and uh, it's what it's called, the graduate diploma. Um, all of them uh, are going you – know, students in all these programs go to the same courses, same professors. There's, there's not a tiered system. So we have some really top-flight professors that teach and are excellent at what they do. And every student that comes has access to these professors, uh, not just from a classroom point of view, but they have access in, the, in, in ways that are sometimes more important than the classroom. Out in the hallway, fifteen minutes after class in the parking lot, when important things are said that can 't be said around other people, and the faculty are allowed to shepherd these students. What Nate was talking about uh, in in terms of the faculty working with the families to help uh, to help educate and shape these young people what we 're talking about is discipleship we 're talking about helping people become more christ like and one of the central pillars for uh, for Phoenix Seminary is uh, to uh, graduate students that have the character of Christ. Now, we don't think for one minute that they're attaining this perfect lofty goal of being like Jesus, but we are certainly going to do our best to help our students reflect his character as much as we possibly can. And sometimes that means getting into some pretty messy things uh, in students' lives. Uh, and we're we're there to get into the messy things.
1: I suppose pornography being an example. That's an
0: example, yeah. sure. Yeah, we we may have seminarians on campus, and some people may think we have a, you know, kind of a angel factory going on. But no these these people come from all the same places that everyone else's children come from, and they've re- they're wrestling with many of the same issues. Uh, they're just a little farther along in the process, and hopefully they're a little more discipled when they get to us, but not always.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, let me uh, change the topic slightly change the topic slightly to uh, the finances of attending. Uh, are there scholarship programs available at the seminary level? How's all that
0: work? There are. Um, we have uh, basically two forms of financial aid. If you don't count student loans, those are always available. But if you count just the scholarships and uh, and financial aid that we have, uh, we've just started a new program that any student that comes to us with an undergraduate grade point average of 3.0 or above will automatically qualify for a 50 percent scholarship off their their program and that's for the life of the program that's all the way through school if they come with something that's a little less than that uh, you know a 2.7 to, to 3.0 it's 25% hmm. but it's for the life of the program and so that's that's a, an astonishingly generous opportunity and uh it's uh it's getting a lot of good we just instituted it we're getting, it's getting a lot of interest Uh, We also have scholarships on top of that. Some students come, and they they may get a 25% uh, scholarship based on their GPA, but that's still not enough to help them access uh, higher Christian education. So we do have scholarships to assist them. We have special scholarships for Latino students, students who want to go to the mission field, for female students, uh, for students interested in in senior pastor ministries. So we have special uh, scholarship funds available for them as well.
1: And how do you price... uh this education? Is this a $10,000 exercise or a $50,000 exercise, say, for a typical, is
0: this a two-year degree, three-year? Right. If you're there for a Master of Divinity degree, which is our flagship flagship degree, that's the standard theological degree across America, if you go to seminary, it's 94 credit hours, which is a long master's. Uh, and if you do the math, you know, multiply 94 hours times, you know, Four hundred and eighty dollars a credit hour. You realize that you know it's getting close to fifty thousand dollars over the life of the degree. Some students do that degree in three years. Most do it in more like more like five, five and a half. Um, and so you can understand with that kind of price tag why financial aid uh, really needs to be the norm rather than the exception. Master of Arts in Ministry degree is uh, forty-eight credit hours, uh, a little more than half of what the Master of Divinity degree is. Uh, the Master of Arts in Counseling is is uh, 60 hours. So uh, th- they vary in length, but they also vary in purpose. And the Master of Divinity degree, the reason it's the standard is because it provides all the tools that someone in ministry, particularly pastoral ministry, would need to, to function in every area of the theological disciplines. They have theology, they have Bible, they have Greek, they have Hebrew. They can translate the Bible on their own. Uh, they have knowledge of church history and how we've gotten to where we are, pastoral ministries, how to preach, how to do pastoral care, how to do weddings, how to do funerals, how to counsel people. They, it's kind of the last of the generalist professions in many ways, and uh, but that's what that Master of Divinity is about. It's a big degree for a big purpose.
1: Wow. And would what would a typical semester load for a full-time student be?
0: For us, full-time, well, a full-time load would be uh we can well it's an academic question an academic administrative question we call eight hours per semester uh, a full load uh most students come to us from colleges where they were taking 16 and 18 credit hours that that won't happen at phoenix seminary they, they would they would, it would burn out uh very quickly under that environment our, our courses are are uh, are challenging courses um uh, and they find if they take too much, they find out very quickly they've bitten off more than they can chew. So our newest students, we, we ask them to uh, take no more than six credit hours. Uh, and uh, if they do really well in that, we'll say, okay, you can stretch your wings and try for eight or even ten.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So three, if you were even doing the what, the Master's of Arts, was that 45?
0: The Master of Arts in Ministry, yeah. 48 credit hours.
1: 48 credit hours, so that's six semesters.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can do it in two years, in four semesters, if you, if you try that huge load, but we don't have too many takers. We have some very bright students sometimes we get that say, you know what, I can do this. And they do. <laughs> They're an inspiration.
1: But they have writing and a lot of reading and, out of, oh, yeah. and a lot of out-of-class they, work. They, yeah.
0: were the, they were the geeky kids that got straight A's all through school and college, though.
1: I'm guessing they didn't make the SCA basketball team,
2: which we want to hear about. They were
1: studying. When we come back, Nate, I want to hear about how uh, uh, Coach Frederick's basketball team has done recently. Love to talk about it, yeah. That would be outstanding. Well, uh, you're listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Bob Brown here filling in for Tom Brown today. We'll be back in just a few minutes to hear about the SCA basketball team. Welcome back to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Bob Brown here filling in for Tom Brown. And today we're talking about Christian education, Christian worldview, and now SCA basketball. Nate, (laughs) give us the update.
2: Well, we were uh, fortunate enough to uh, bring home the state title this last year in boys' basketball. So that was an exciting time for for our school. Uh, But, uh, you know, we... Our athletics program at, at the school, girls, guys, uh, were uh, super strong athletically uh, at the school. So it's one of the just awesome parts about uh, a school like ours is the uh, opportunity to compete. We have over 80% of our high school students are athletes on our campus participating in at least one sport.
1: Wow, that's so, incredible! How how many you know how many total state champion flags the schools brought home?
2: We've brought home all sports combined. Um, we're over. Gosh, our athletic director he's gonna he's gonna have my neck for this, but uh, I don't know that number. I know it's over thirty. So uh, um, we are we've been blessed in our history with uh, some great uh, great athletic programs. So. and what division uh do you guys play in basketball so we are this next year we are gonna be um they they just redid all of the, the it seems like every year they're redoing the the division lines and everything but uh this year we're gonna be in division four so and
1: is division one the biggest
2: it is yeah yeah. So how how many divisions below you are there? So there are I believe there are six divisions uh, in the state. So and the, what's the size of SCA now? So preschool through twelfth grade, we are about seven hundred and ninety students. Uh, so we are uh, about average fifty to sixty uh, kids per grade, uh, K to twelve. So. And is is it too late to sign up for the fall? Absolutely not. No, we are we're doing tours every day, even though it is uh, one hundred and eighty degrees outside. Uh, we will we'll walk you through campus, uh, answer all your questions, and uh, get you all taken care of, and see if it's a good fit for uh, the families.
1: Tell me about the scholarship help that's available. Now, I know the state program was recently amended, the um, student tuition credits and all that. Can you bring us up to date on that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So the one of the beauties about uh, living in the state of Arizona is we are the benefits of this uh, Arizona tax credit program. And the private schools here uh, locally um, are able to help families reduce the cost of their tuition through uh, tax credits um and there are both individual credits and there's corporate credits uh that are also available so i think one of the common misconceptions about private uh, especially private christian education is it's it's out of reach financially um and we have a number of families that through this program a good chunk of their family's tuition is completely taken care of um and it's just you know when you when you tag on these these tax credits, we also have a financial aid system. Um, we try and make uh, private Christian education financially financially feasible for any family who feels like God is calling their family into Christian education. So if I'm a grandpa and I'm thinking about
1: try, trying to save some or redirect some of my tax money, how much under the
2: state tax
1: credit can I redirect? Towards Christian education,
2: so it uh, it depends on how you're filing your taxes. Uh, if you file, you know, individually or jointly, um, but you can uh, you can jump on any one of these tax credit websites, um, um, and they have it's a it's kind of a tiered system um, for how much and and all that. So, but it's it's very easily laid out um, where families. Can help their their family members attend private Christian education by redirecting uh, their their tax dollars. So so when we talk about these tax credits, it's really not a dollar out of my pocket, is it? Right. So the way I explain it to people, you're cutting cutting the check anyway. So wouldn't you rather know where your money is going?
1: <laughs> right, so I can send it to the state and let the uh, governor spend it, or send it over to help pay
2: for tuition for exactly. Uh, Exactly. So you can, you can send it into the the state budget, or you can redirect it and make Christian education possible for uh, students. You can recommend specific students uh, to be the recipients of that, or you can just recommend uh, a school like Scottsdale Christian Academy, um, and it's a it comes back as a dollar for dollar tax credit uh, when you do your income state income taxes. Wow, that's a great program. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of. If you're not participating, you should be, yeah. What
1: percentage of your graduating students go on to post-secondary education? Virtually
2: all of them, yeah, yeah. We had, I think it was 100% this year, uh, went on to uh, college or university um, all over the country. Uh, We had students go back to the East Coast, um, down to Texas, back to California, so we sent our 84 graduates uh, out all over the country uh, this year. So, And
1: am I recalling correctly that you also have uh, opportunities for the students to go on mission trips while they're in high school?
2: Yeah, that is. It's one of the coolest things, I think, about Scottsdale Christian Academy and uh, one of our uh, differentiators. Uh, we, for a week in the spring, we completely shut down our high school and we send, last year we sent out 15 missions teams, uh, both here in Phoenix, around the U.S., and even internationally. Uh, so you know, students get the opportunity to, to serve and really put you know, the hands and feet of Christ to work. And uh, it gives them a, just a unique opportunity to see the world outside of SCA and uh, serve and I mean the projects look completely different from you know rebuilding houses to serving in uh, missions to um, you know they'll do a variety of different projects on these uh, on these uh, trips Uh, but it's you know every year they we just we hear story after story of lives changed Uh, both our students uh, faculty and parents they get to go on these trips Uh, and the people that they're impacting while they're there. So a neat program that we offer.
1: And and Dr. Moody, what opportunities are there for mission activity at the seminary
0: level? You know, we have students that uh, very often will accompany our faculty uh, to some ministries that they are working with. Uh, We have one professor who goes every summer to Congo, uh, to educate pastors and pastors' families to help uh, deal with some of the, the, just the endemic uh, family violence issues that go on in a culture that's really unraveled in many ways. We have another professor who goes to uh, Rwanda, uh, and they take students with them. Uh, we have our missions our professor of cross-cultural ministry and missions uh, spent a, a career in Kenya, Uh, working among the Digo people, uh, a a group of people that for many years had no written language, and he was part of helping them create a written language so that then they could translate the Bible into that language, and now they have the scriptures available to them. Uh, He takes students with them, and they get academic credit for this work. They're over there to work, and uh, so they they study ahead of time. They go there. They come back. They debrief. uh, They have lots of one-on-one time with a faculty member, lots of time with local people on the site, uh, to truly get a, a, a real immersive cross-cultural experience.
1: So if I were interested in becoming a missionary, I, I wouldn't get a degree in missions, I assume.
0: Right. You could, you could get a Master of Arts in Ministry in Intercultural Studies. Uh, that's, that's, that's the degree that's kind of geared toward that. But the fact is, our degrees uh, are, are really designed so that anyone who's going into any area of ministry will get a baseline education for, for almost anything they choose to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the Bible, theology, and practical ministries are, are heavy in every degree program, and uh, that's, that serves them well no matter where they go.
1: What, what would the unique classes for the missionary-bound students include?
0: Well, we have courses in intercultural studies, which basically helps us understand how we all come from a culture, uh, and, uh, you know, it's it's curious that you hear people that get frustrated with uh, uh, migrants coming here or in Europe or wherever, you know, the history of the world has been the history of migration. And people are saying, we've got all, all these all these different cultures moving in. Well, you know, people have to know that we already have hundreds of cultures already here and hundreds of cultures, even among people that all look alike, act alike, walk and talk alike. Um, and uh, so students learn those dynamics. They learn that the gospel of Jesus really, really stands above culture uh, is countercultural in many ways. Uh, you have human beings that are fallen who are taught that you love your neighbor and hate your enemy, and you have a, a Jesus who comes along and says, no, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Well, that's countercultural to every culture in the world. And so the, 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 the truth of Scripture is something that has universal application, even if it's not got universal acceptance even in our culture.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, foreign language training, would that be done at some other...
0: No, Greek and Hebrew are the biblical languages that we use. Uh, Koine Greek is the language of the New Testament. There is a Septuagint Greek that is Old Testament Greek, also Biblical Hebrew. All three of those are taught. Uh, and sometimes a couple of other languages as well for the, for the scholar types that want to go on and get a PhD. Well, what, what would uh, those so, be? Oh, things like Aramaic. Uh, that was, would be the language that Jesus spoke. It's oh. the common day-to-day language, the speaking language of the people of Israel. And Jesus undoubtedly spoke Aramaic most of the time. It's based, Hebrew is based on Aramaic, so uh, it has lots of similarities. There are there are languages like uh, Old Testament, ancient Near Eastern languages like Ugaritic and Sumerian and Akkadian that you never heard of. Uh, but we have faculty that are, are proficient in those and work in those languages. And they're doing, uh, you know, they're teaching in their classes. But what they're doing in their research behind their closed office door is so rarefied and so high-level that they try to describe it to me, and I'm not even sure I get it, and I've been living in theology for a long time. Two of our youngest faculty members have just recently gotten book contracts for some of this very high-level scholarship through some exceptionally prestigious European publishers who are only recognized really by people who work in these disciplines. So it it says a lot about what Phoenix Seminary has going on. We've got some world-class scholarship. But we also have our feet on the ground and know that most of our students are going out to churches and ministries where scholars don't live.
1: Wow, that's fascinating! When we come back, I'm dying to know the title of one of those works. <laughs> well, folks, you're listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Bob Brown here, filling in for Tom Brown today. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Welcome back to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360, KPXQ. Bob Brown here filling in for Tom Brown. Today we've been talking about Christian education with representatives from Phoenix Seminary and Scottsdale Christian Academy. Dr. Moody, any parting thoughts for us kind of about the overall mission and so forth of your seminary?
0: Our mission is to graduate students who exhibit scholarship with a shepherd's heart. The world doesn't need any more eggheads, but it does need some exceptionally intelligent and well-prepared people. Um, But we found that the eggheads don't always act like shepherds. They don't always act like Jesus. So we are engaged in character development as much as we're engaged in intellectual development. So our our motto, scholarship with a shepherd's heart, is not just advertising. That is through the warp and woof of our entire program. Every single course, every single program we have has that that as its goal. And how is that implemented? We have uh, not only our, our classes that are taken. We also uh, require every degree student to be under the pastoral care of a, of a spiritual mentor, somebody who can uh, walk with them through some of life's difficulties, help them see the wisdom of God, that sort of thing. Uh, we also have field placement where students go out and do internships in ministries where they think they may wind up working. Uh, we also uh, have lots of time with faculty, and uh, they, they get a chance to, to really pick the brain of people who have been there for many, many years.
1: Dr. Moody, if someone wants to contact you for further information about the seminary,
0: how would they do that? They can just, they, if they want to know more about the seminary, they can go to www.ps.edu. Uh, there's our website, and uh, if they want to contact me personally, they can at cmoody@ps.edu
1: Great. Thank you so much for being with us. And, Nate, how about if someone is interested in contacting you?
2: Yeah, they can uh, go to scarizona.org, or they can email me directly nbradley at scamail.org.
1: And if they go for a tour this time of year, do they get a free bottle of
2: water? Free bottle of water. We'll make it ice cold for you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Outstanding.
1: (laughs) Guys, thanks so much for being with us. We really appreciate you uh, spending the time with us today. And folks, thanks again for listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I've had a great time guest hosting today for Tom Brown. If you want to reach me, you can call me, Bob Brown, at 602-740-1032. I'm the head of the Church and Ministry Law Group at Gallagher and Kennedy. Or visit our website at gknet.com.